0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Good morning, everybody. What an amazing song that was, wasn't it? We're in a series called The Good Old Days, and we've been talking about just what that means. When you hear someone say, the good old days, or maybe you've said it yourself, what you're talking about is a time in your life when life just seemed better. It just seemed easier, more joy, maybe you were happier, less pain, less loss, the good old days when life was good. We recently just celebrated my nephew's four-year-old birthday party. And someone at the birthday party got him a remote control car. And he was so excited to play with this remote control car. And we said, okay, just just be patient. We got to put it together. And, you know, taking this thing out of the box, you needed a screwdriver. You needed scissors. You had to cut into it. Then you you finally get the thing all unwrapped. And then you need another screwdriver to get uh, the control open to put the batteries in. And then it came with two batteries, but you needed six, so we had to go find four more batteries. And we put it finally get this remote control car going, and he's wanting to play with it so bad, we get it going. And one of the older gentlemen in the room says, oh, I remember when I was a kid, when you just got to pull that toy out, and it was just a simpler toy, and you could play with it right out of the box. <laughs> he said, you know, you'd wind it up, and it would just go. And I said, the good old days, right? (laughs) We can all look back at a time in our lives when life just seemed better. It seemed simpler. It seemed easier. But here's the problem. Here's what we kind of talked about last week. Is that when we look back at life, we tend to look back with rose-colored glasses. We remember the good, but we forget the bad. And the problem with the theory of the good old days is we forget some of the hardships that we walk through. So the goal of this series is to prove that regardless of age, your best days are not behind you. They are in front of you if you have the right mindset. And one of the major things that keeps us from living out the good old days in our everyday life is one word, regret. Regret can keep us from living things out and thinking that our best days are in front of us. Oh, the good old days before I made that huge financial mistake. The good old days before I made that terrible business choice, that good old days before I failed miserably, the good old days before I had that falling out with my kids or my parents, the good old days before I just wrecked my life with bad decisions. Now all I feel is guilt, shame, and regret. If only I would have made better choices, my life could have turned out differently. See, the definition of regret is this, to feel sad, repentant, or disappointed over something that has happened. And this feeling of regret can steal our joy and keep us from the bright future full of hope that God has for each of us. And most of our biggest regrets in life come because we made some poor choices. We all do it. But they come because of sin. Yes, I said the word sin, the S word. And I just want to talk about it for a couple minutes this morning. When you look at this word sin, we can define it and people define it in many different ways. But sin, for the clarity of this message, I want to say is this. Whatever you think you shouldn't do, that sometimes you do anyway. And if you're a Christian, in the you, you kind of live your life to the standards of the Bible. There's things in this book that God gives us, some guidelines. He says, if you're going to have an abundant life, if you're going to have life to the full, here's some things you should do, and here's some things you shouldn't do. And he gives us those things because he's looking out for our protection. He really wants us to have the best life possible. And so maybe you're in this place and you're not a Christian and you don't believe the word sin. In fact, you might think that the Bible and other religions have been the very thing that has caused the most problems in this world because everyone is talking about sin and judging everyone else and pointing out everyone else's failures. And that's fine. I certainly can understand that point. But even you would have to say that in this place, there are some things that you do don't think you should do that you do anyway, and it leads to regret. And here's the problem with with sin, and what it does is it separates us from other people. Think about the last big conflict you've had in any relationship. What happened? Is somebody in that relationship, they sinned. Somebody hurt your feelings. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a work thing. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a a child to a parent or a parent to a child. Someone did something they shouldn't have done or said something they shouldn't have said, and it led to some kind of separation in a relationship. That's what sin does. It separates us. It separates us from people that we love and care about. It also separates us from God, but not in the way that we think sometimes. I think sin separating us from God is one of the most misinterpreted things that we've talked about, that I've heard growing up. And I don't believe that sin separates us from God because God gets mad at us, because he gets disappointed in us, because he can't believe we broke one of his, one of the things that he said in his word not to do That's not why sin separates. Sin separates because we hide. We run. We don't think we can face God. And I know this because we see it in the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, God knew it. What did they do? They hid. They ran. They walked away. God had to pursue them, and he still pursued them that's old covenant. And then in the new covenant, we see Jesus and the prodigal son. The Bible says every single day, Jesus went out when the son was out there sinning, waiting for him to come home. So I don't believe sin separates us from the love of God. Once we are Christians in the new covenant, in the fact that he gets mad and disappointed and and he just like, I'm not I'm not doing anything with them anymore because they sin. No, I think it's because we hide, we run, we have put something in the way of our relationship with him and our guilt and our shame and our fear. It keeps us from pursuing God, from going after him, from praying, from reading his word. I can't even face him right now. But sin also separates us from ourselves. That's what sin does. It separates you from yourself. How many people have I talked with who made a pretty bad mistake or a bad choice, and they say things like this, I can't even live with myself right now. I can't even look myself in the mirror right now. I'm so disgusted with myself because of that choice that I made. Sin separates us from ourselves. So why do we do it? Why do we sin? Well, sin makes a promise that this will lead to our happiness, happiness. If we do this, we'll be happier. But it makes a promise it can't keep because it separates us from God, from people, and from ourselves. What did Jesus say is the greatest commandment? You know, one day people came up to Jesus and they said, "Uh, Jesus, we have hundreds of laws. Hundreds. Literally 600 and some odd laws. Which one is the greatest? Like, what can I do to please God? And Jesus gives them this answer, and we all know it. It's found in Matthew and Mark. It says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So what God is basically saying here is love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. We don't always talk about the love yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so what sin does is it kind of gets in the way of us fulfilling the greatest command that God gave us. And it's not because he gets angry and doesn't want anything to do with us. It's because we separate ourselves. We separate ourselves from people that he loves. We hurt people that God loves. We do this after he tells us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Some of us, we don't love ourselves. We're mad at ourselves. We're down. We're disgusted. But Jesus wants us to love ourselves. And regret and guilt and shame keep us from loving God, loving people, and loving ourselves. That's why regret is so dangerous. It's so dangerous. And we all have regrets. And people who torment themselves with regret, they usually suffer with these lies. These are the lies we begin to believe. Let's read them. My life is ruined by a decision I made. It's a lie. My past defines the future. It's a lie. Even God cannot redeem this one. It's a lie. My sin is more powerful than the promises of God. It's a lie. There is completely and utterly no hope for me. Lie. No one can be restored from this bad of a decision. Lie. Things will never change. Lie. God could never use anyone who has messed up this badly. Lie. These are lies we choose to believe, and these lies keep us from living out the good old days because we believe That there's no way there can be a prosperous future in front of us after we've made such poor choices. There's no way God could use us. There's no way he could be pleased with us. There's no way we could get involved and do anything of significance because we messed it up. It's a lie. You know, before Christ came, we have the Old Testament. Our Bibles are broken up into the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant, the New Covenant, and and before Christ came, there was this constant struggle with God's people. God would give these people laws, and he would give them ways to live their life, and they would live their lives trying their best to follow God's law, and if they had a really great leader in place, someone who challenged the people to live according to God's ways, they would do it for a while. But then all of a sudden, they'd look around and they'd see the way that other societies, other you know, cultures, other people are living their life differently than God's ways. And they would tend to go live their lives that way a little bit. And before they knew it, they were making very poor choices that got themselves into so much trouble. These choices had devastating consequences, and then God would have to come and bail them out. They would be filled with regret and they would beg God, God, we did something stupid, come and bail us out. And God would, because he's that good. And we see this in the book of Judges. Judges 2, chapter, or chapter 2, 16 and 19 says this. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. He was there for them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors following other gods, and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. So God constantly tried to protect his people. He tried to set them up for success. He tried to give them the best way to live their lives on this earth. He really did. And his laws were set up so people would have health, wealth, and prosperity. So that they would get along with each other, so that they would put him first, honor him, but that they would really get along with each other and they would go on to live healthy, wealthy, long lives on this earth. But they constantly turned towards other things and God would have to come and bail them out. But in the new covenant, it's what we're celebrating right now, the birth of Jesus, the birth of of a new covenant, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. Coolest thing, no other religion has what we have. A God who comes down the ladder from heaven to earth becomes subject to his own creation because he loves us so fiercely. His own creation ridicules him, his own creation torments him, his own creation, arrests him, puts him on the cross and murders him. But he doesn't stay dead, he rises from the dead. And in that one act of kindness, all of our sins are forgiven, all of our bad choices are redeemed, and all of our regrets are made right. That's the beauty of the new covenant. The new covenant is not about us, it's about him. And we make it about us too much, and that leads to regret. The new covenant is what God did for us. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 3 4 through 6. This is what Paul says. He says, Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Who's the confidence in? Christ. Not that we are competent in ourselves, right? We're not. We're not competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Sometimes we find ourselves living in the old covenant still. The new covenant is about what God did for us. It's about what Jesus coming to this earth means. The promised Messiah, the prophecy fulfilled, putting an end to the torment and pain of sin, separating us from God. Now we can go boldly into his throne. I love this. I love what the new covenant rep. Resents. We operate from grace instead of to earn grace. You know, it's Advent season. I don't know if everyone knows that word, Advent. It's like a traditional Christmas word. And the goal of Advent is actually to prepare your heart for the Christmas season, for the coming of Christ. And I got to be honest with you, for a while, I wasn't the hugest fan of Christmas, if I'm honest. And the reason I wasn't a huge fan of it is it, and it's probably a little bit selfish on my part, but it just seems so stressful, the Christmas season, right? You, You make this list of everyone you're buying gifts for and you're trying to find the perfect gift. And then everyone's asking you what you want, you're trying to tell them what you want, but you don't want to be greedy, but you kind of want a few things, but, you know, there's all this, it, there's all, all these things are planned the whole month for you, and it's just kind of can seem stressful and overwhelming here at the church, things kind of ramp up around Christmas time. And, and for a while, I felt like we were totally, as a culture, losing the whole meaning of Christmas to celebrate Jesus and what he did. And I felt it was so commercialized. And honestly, it was just a a tough time for me. And I realized that I needed to get over that because that was my mindset and it was making it worse. And my goal now in life is to embrace the positive things in life and get the most out of every opportunity and experience and not focus on the negative side. Something you learn with age, I guess. But one of the big things I can say, I honestly love Christmas. I love it. I look forward to it. I've even got six Hallmark movies under my belt already. (laughs) Guys, do not judge me for that. I know you're watching them too. I know you are. They're always on. But Advent was one of the reasons that brought me back to Christmas, like really loving it. My wife got me an Advent book this year and I'm reading through it and tomorrow is the 16th and it's all about the coming of the faultless judge. The judge who came into the world not to condemn us but to save us. And it's such a powerful time. It's a season of new beginnings That's what it's a season of. If you're here and you're struggling with the pain of regret, I want to tell you, you don't have to. It's a season of new beginnings. And I want to tell you that you're not alone. All of us struggle with regret. All of us. But I want to give you a powerful truth this morning. God can redeem anything, especially your situation. Sometimes we believe God can redeem everyone else's situation, but not mine. That's just not a lie. And I'll prove it to you that we have examples all over the Bible. Saul, before he came, became Paul, was persecuting Christians, killing Christians, arresting them. What does God do? He redeems Paul's life and he becomes a martyr for Christianity. He leads how many people to Christ and writes three-quarters of the New Testament? God redeemed David's adultery and murder by bringing forth Solomon, the wisest king we've ever known. Peter is used powerfully through the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts, you see what Peter is capable of doing for the kingdom of God after he denied knowing Christ three times. There was a demon-possessed man in the book of Mark that was completely healed and restored. And that guy became an evangelist for Jesus. God redeems every situation. He has the power to do it. We're the ones who get in the way of it. So I want to give you three strategies in the time remaining to overcome regret and the lies that go with it so that we can live out the good old days. Number one. Pursue breakthrough in the area you have failed. Pursue breakthrough in the area you have failed. You know, it's often the area of our greatest struggle where we obtain the biggest victories in our life. And I want to tell you this morning, if you are caught in a destructive behavior, if there's something, a decision you made that you regret and you have no idea why you made it, chances are, there's something going on deeper in your soul that you don't even realize is there. As we go through life, we experience pain, we experience loss, we experience trauma. And what we do with these experiences most often is we shove these things down deep into our souls and we forget and try to move on without dealing with them. Well, what happens over time is... That pain, that trauma, it creeps back up and we don't like it. We don't know why it's there and we escape. And we escape to destructive behaviors and wrong choices and bad decisions. We do this because there's some serious kind of pain in our lives that's deep down that we never dealt with. And so I want to encourage you, to pursue breakthrough in an area. If there's something you're dealing with that you've been dealing with for a long time, if there's an addiction you have, if there's some kind of destructive behavior in, the, in your life, if there's some kind of thing between you and another person, bitterness that you can't seem to figure out why it's there, I want to encourage you to get some healing from, for your soul. Because when the soul gets healed, when the soul gets cleansed, the destructive behaviors go away. And we're human beings and we're gonna make poor choices just because of that fact from time to time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if there's something you've been dealing with for a long time, I wanna let you know breakthrough is possible. It's possible, but you've gotta pursue the healing for your soul. Number two, if you're dealing with regret, Remember the power of the cross. How quickly do we forget that what Jesus did on the cross is strong enough to cleanse all of our sin. All of it. Nothing's too bad. Nothing's too strong for his redemptive power. Nothing. Ephesians 1 says this. one seven. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In him, in him, it's about him and what he did for us. And in him, we have redemption. We are redeemed. We don't have to live with the guilt and the shame of a bad choice. That's what redemption is because of his grace. See, the cross brings us back from separation. Because of the cross, you live from Christ's victory, not your own victory. Because of the cross, every poor decision in your life is being redeemed right now with greater victory. And because of the cross, you're filled with hope for a bright future. You see, so many people cannot live out the good old days because they've lost hope that the future's bright. When you lose hope, life gets dark. But there is hope for a bright future because of the cross. Number three, last one. Nuke Chepi. This is a phrase in Latin that means, now I begin. The connotation is begin again. Never stop beginning. Everyone knows that I like football. I played football in high school. I love to watch football. There's one quarterback in particular I really like, and his name is Philip Rivers, plays for the San Diego Chargers. And the reason I like Philip Rivers is because he has a strong faith in Christ. He's a man of character and integrity. He's a family guy. He's a strong leader, a fierce competitor. Love this guy. Well, one time I was watching a press conference with Philip Rivers, and he was wearing this shirt, and on his shirt was the phrase, Nuke Chepi. Can we show that picture right there? The phrase, nuke Chepi, and it means now I began. And when asked about it, Philip Rivers says, this is the word I live my life by. Because no matter what happens in life, we can't stop beginning again. So so I throw an interception. I've also thrown many touchdown passes. I know I can nuke Chepi, begin again. If we lose a game we should have won, I know, Nuke Chepi, we can begin again and go out and win a game we probably should have lost. When my kids make a mistake at home and they're disobedient at home, I tell them, Nuke Chepi, it's time to begin again. And I think this phrase is so powerful for the church because for too long, We have let the pain, the guilt, the shame of sin and regret keep us from living the full, well-rounded, and meaningful life that God has for us. No one in this room is perfect. And let me tell you, I'm not excusing sin or bad behaviors. I believe that Jesus gave us these guidelines because he wants us to live the most abundant life possible. And sin, what it does is it hurts. It hurts people we love, it hurts ourselves. And that's the problem with it. But I also know that so many people I talk to are so held back because of sin and regret. And I wanna tell you this morning Nuke Chepi. So many people in this place, the extent of your Christian walk is coming to church, worshiping, hearing a message, but you don't go out and do anything with this faith because you don't believe you're worthy to do it. Chris, if you only knew what I've done, if you only knew, listen, Nuke Chepi It's time to begin again. God wants to use every single person in this place. He's wired you a certain way. He's gifted you and he's given you his Holy Spirit. And I don't care what has happened in your life. Pain, loss, trauma, your life not going the way you thought it would. Nuke Chuppie. It's time to begin again. I'm telling you, sometimes in life, bad things happen. And we can't explain it and we can't reason it. But we have two choices when those things happen. We can get bitter or we can get better. And I'm not trying to downplay anyone's pain. I know it's real. And there's a season to mourn and a season for healing. But I'm telling you, Nuke Chepi, began again. It's time for every person. This is the beginning of the Christmas season where Jesus came to us. Why? Nuke Chepi, he began again. He came to this earth for us so that we could begin again. I love this portion of Scripture in Lamentations 3, 19 through 23. I'm going to read it to you in the message version. Just listen to it. It says this, I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. Person in pain. I remembered it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing I remember, and remembering I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. It's time to nuke Chepi. This word says his mercies are created new every morning. They're new for you. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. It's time to begin again. It's time to nuke Chepi. It's right. you to get that word in your heads. So I just want everyone to bow their heads with me just for a moment. I want you to realize the good old days are not behind us. They're in front of us. They're in front of us. Don't let the pain of regret convince you otherwise. So what I want to do is every, everyone with their eyes closed, heads bowed, if you are in this place and you've been struggling with regret, would you just lift up your hand and put it right back down? Thank you, thank you. Go ahead, put it up, down. Thank you, thank you. A lot of hands. Here's what I want to do together as a church. I want to pray a prayer together. A prayer of new beginnings. And I want you to repeat these words. I want everyone to repeat these words after me. Ready? Dear Heavenly Father, I sit here this morning With regret laying heavy on my heart. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. I pray you would forgive me from my past failures, from the guilt and shame associated with them. I'm sorry for hurting people that you love. I'm sorry for breaking my peace with you, others, and myself. I thank you that I can walk out of here today a brand new person, fully forgiven and fully free. Amen. Nuke Chepi, Nuke Chepi. Will you stand with me? every single person can walk out these doors today with a new beginning. You're fully clean, fully forgiven, fully restored. And there's a new beginning waiting for you right outside those doors. So I just want you to have that mindset when we sing this closing song. The song that says, you alone can rescue. You alone can save. You alone can nuke Cheppy. give me a new beginning. Can you add that in the <laughs> lyric? You alone. Let's focus on him this morning and thank him for what the redemption he has in our lives. Let's sing this song. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.